Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right, here we go. Here we go. Hi again. One day we'll tell you why I'm laughing. It's all the mistakes I made. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Inside Curling. Uh, I'd like to acknowledge all our great sponsors. Uh, we'd like to thank Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Goldline, Nestle Boost, and Meridian. Today we're doing a chat with the reigning uh, women's Olympic gold medalist uh, Eve Muirhead, and uh, what a what a curler she is. Uh, she joins us. Outstanding record. I was looking at it, and it's, I don't know, Kev, endless, okay, with what she's done. Uh, so I thought I'd bring her on, and we can talk about all this. Hi, Eve. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, good. Uh, I'll tell you what sticks out. Congratulations, Eve, by the way, uh, winning, the, winning the gold medal. I was looking at uh, your stats for what you've done in curling, mm-hmm. and you've won everything. it's pretty simple okay you've won everything uh right back to your junior days four golds there was you know so many scottish uh, women's curling championships mixed doubles by the way congratulations you're off to the world's european mixed championships so much stuff but what really sticks out even i'm sure you get asked this a lot i don't know if there's something in the haggis over there but (laughs) what people what people may not know is you are a world-class piper and uh, you've been offered scholarships in your time. You're only 32 years old to play golf over in the States. Is all this true? I thought someone was making it up. Is all that true? <laughs> well, yeah, it is true. Um, I can't say I'm as good at, at piping and golf as what I used to be. But um, yeah, I, I, still, I still managed to play a fair bit. Pipes, not so much, but I, I can I can get them out and, and play whenever I want. And I'm usually a kind of a cheap gig for a friend's wedding. <laughs> um, golf's obviously such a, a great social sport, isn't it? And I can still get it around in, in reasonable numbers sometimes. Um, but yeah, I love playing golf in the summer and I'm, I'm hoping this summer definitely to, to play as much as I can. What, was there a time when you were sort of on the fence about whether it would be curling or golf? You know what it's like nowadays. It's it's a full time commitment, isn't it? And with the curling season getting longer and longer, it's it's just not possible to do that. And especially over here, we we were we're curling ten months of the ten months of the year. We get two months off in the summer, and and the rest were on ice training. So it it wasn't possible to keep golf going at such a high level, but. Um, I think I made the right decision. <laughs> yeah, and, I was uh, going to say, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like being able to play golf at, at, at different events and, and with friends and things. Well, walk us through, before we bring the boys in, uh, to ask you some questions. Uh, since you've won the, the gold medal uh, at the Olympics, what have you been doing and, and, and what's going to keep you going now? You've, you've won everything. You've won everything. So how have the last few weeks been? Like they, they have been very busy, like it, but it, it feels amazing, and it's very nice to be home. And I think it's nice as well just to to go out for dinner and and see friends and family because, as you can imagine, before the games we were so COVID safe and just scared, so you you hardly left the house apart from going to to the ice rink to practice. 
So, like, it, it's nice just to let my hair down a little bit. Um, as you can imagine, well, Kevin, Kevin will know, like, a lot of a lot of media going on. But Mixed Doubles was at the weekend there, which was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy playing with Bobby, and um, we managed to win that. So that is one thing that I've not won. So, Kevin, I don't even know where to start, Eve, but thank you very much for, for taking the time um, in your crazy schedule. Uh I think the first thing I want to talk about is your team. Uh, it was an incredible show put on. I want to talk about Vicky Wright first. I don't know if you know, but I called her the MVP of the Olympic Games. She was incredible. I guess your thoughts from the Skip's point of view of having the number one third in an event like that, and I guess the difference it makes for you on the tee head, either with the strategy mm-hmm. or the shooting that you need to do because of having such a strong third. Yeah, like um, as you say, Vicky Vicky played phenomenal, and and she has um, she has all year, and she's she's a very very good curler. And a funny story, like Vicky played lead for me uh, two years ago, and it took a lot of persuasion to get her to play third. I believe you me, like she she just wasn't she wasn't for it, and she was nervous, she was a bit scared. Um, Greg, our, our fiance, Greg Drummond, who, who who's also um, a top class curl who got that silver in in Sochi. Like I know she went back and spoke to him about it, and um, God, like I'm glad she made that decision and said yes because <laughs> she has been a, a huge asset to the team. And and what like I think a lot of people will know now, but she works as well. Like she's a she's a nurse. She worked right through the COVID pandemic. Um, she juggled working and curling. Like she'd she'd be a night shift, so get zero hours sleep, and then she'd be in training all day. Um, so that was her dedication, and um, she's just such a natural player. She's great fun as well, and I think that that's what makes a big difference. Like she's very level-headed, and she's very um, like her emotions don't come out a lot. And I think that's just what makes such a great player. Well, she was always a front-end player, and I'll bring Warren in here in just a little bit, but um, she's always been a front-end player. So so you said that Greg helped to talk her into the third position. When was that? How many months ago, or when, when did that happen? Because uh, that's a huge change for, for a player. Yeah, it, it is a massive change. And um, it was, a, it was um, I think it was at the end of last season or kind of midway through the season, we just, we decided that I think that the team would work a little bit better because Vicky had that, that she had a great knowledge of the game as well. And I think, as you'll know, like as a, as a skip, like you always like to have that from a third, don't you? Like you like to have someone that can, that can share their knowledge with you and, and back up your decisions. And um yeah, so so I know she went back home um, and she did speak to Greg and kind of Greg gave her a lot of good advice about um, just kind of working in the head and and me and Vicky have sat down on numerous occasions together, working out how we're gonna how we're gonna play and what our communication's gonna be like and we still we still do that before every tournament. We did it at the Olympic Games. We went out for a walk um, before we'd started around the the Olympic Village and just chatted about how we were gonna make it work between us, how we were gonna. Um, kind of communicate to the front end and the back end and, and how the link was going to be. So there's there's been a lot of work there. Um, and yeah, um, I think I'm, I'm glad like everyone can see what a fantastic player she is because she really was such a key um, a key player in the team. And she, she was just such, she was solid as a rock out there. Yeah, I think it matters when, uh, Eve, when you can have your third, just shoot 90. Just shoot 90 for the mm-hmm. whole event and, and, and you'll be pretty good. I, I do want to talk about Haley and Jennifer too. And one thing I was worried about with 
all the different competitors who played both the mixed doubles and then the the uh, four person game was fatigued, but it just mm. didn't seem to occur with not just Jennifer Dodds, but the, the various other male players as well who played yeah. both. It just uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm shocked because I thought fatigue would come in, and then I want to hear about your fatigue because uh, you're crazy enough to come back from the Olympics, play the mixed doubles, and now probably go to the mixed doubles world. So a little bit of the fatigue factor, and then I'll bring Warren in. Yeah, like um, yeah, I was I was very proud of Jen and, and Bruce for what they did at the Olympic Games, and um, I'll be honest, Kevin, like it was in my it was a worry of mine that fatigue would kick in, and um, I didn't know how it was going to be. And of course, when you're there supporting Jen and Bruce as much as we can and getting that fourth place, like it's a horrible place to finish. And she had she didn't even have a day off. The next day we were we were practicing um, as a team, and then we kicked off the next day. So she was straight into it and. God, well, she was she was so professional in every single way. Um, I think what very what helped a lot. Jen is a very fit player; like she's she's very strong. And I think having Bruce alongside her as well, like we all know um, what a great player Bruce is. Like I think both of them together managed to kind of overcome that as quick as they could and realised right, we haven't got a medal here. We we we've got another chance. Like for other people, we didn't have two chances. For those guys, they had two chances. Um, but yeah, I think there's been a lot of sleep catch up from both of them <laughs> since we've got home. But yeah, I'm very proud of, of how she did that. Okay, so Eva, let's talk a bit about the Olympics itself. Let's go go back there. And uh, it was a very interesting finish in the women's side, particularly for you. Uh, final round of the round robin, and then of course the first semifinal game. You had a fairly easy go of it to some degree in the final, but to get there was a bit of a, a story. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the last round of the round robin. So you're playing yeah. ROC. And uh, you had to win that game. However, there's two games going on in the ice that uh, mean a lot to you. If Japan wins against Switzerland, you're going to be tied with Canada, and they beat you in the round robin, so they're going to be in and you're going to be out. But if uh, Switzerland wins that game and you win and Canada wins, then you're going to be a three-way tie, and in that scenario, Canada is out. So you're playing your game against ROC. You've got that game between Japan and Switzerland going on right next to you, and then Canada. What was your thought process going into that round? Where, where, where were you? Were you concentrating totally on your game, or were you looking a lot around you? <laughs> Do you know what? I am actually quite bad for for looking around me. Um, I try not to make it obvious, but I probably could tell you what happened in every single end of those games. <laughs> um, like it's it's a horrible situation to be to be in when it's out with your control. Like we went into that game, and of course, the first thing we had to do was was beat ROC. And as much as they didn't have a good week at all, I think they were only on one win at that point. Like we all know they can they can play well. Like they are they are a good team, and they just didn't have a good week. So first things first for us, we had to we had to make sure and get the win there, and um, and we managed that. And as you say, we we knew that. Switzerland, Sweden, um, we needed them to win. And on paper, um, ranking-wise, like they were the favourites in those games. And so that that was a little bit of a, a little bit of belief there. Um, and looking over Switzerland, um, Switzerland kind of dominated, which was nice. Um, I kind of watched a bit of that because they were on, I think they were on A, we were on B. Um, and then the Sweden, the Sweden um, Japan game off. That was, um, yeah, it was a little bit nip and tuck. Like, um, I think at half time, I kind of saw my Olympic dream flying away. And um, 
watching those last few stones of that game was was nerve wracking. It was um, it was hard to watch because I am a terrible watcher. But yeah, the curling gods must have been with us that day, and um, yeah. Um, Obviously, a shame from for Canada and Jennifer. Like it's it's such a horrible a horrible thing to do is to get put out in draw shot. Like Touchwood, I don't think I ever have been put out a tournament in draw shot. But it's yeah, it it that's that's not nice. It's um yeah, it's not nice to to lose by I think it was ten less than ten centimeters to get put out of the Olympic game. Yeah, no, that's difficult, and uh, I'm not sure what the solution is to that whole issue, but certainly there's got to be a better one, I would think. Anyway. Well, it was funny. I was actually speaking to um, I was speaking to Rona Martin today, and she, we were speaking about Salt Lake back in 2002, and she was in exactly the same position as us. Like, she was on five and four, and she was saying, like, well, they had two playoff games. Like, ours obviously went to draw shot, but they had two playoff games, so it would be very similar like we'd been in the same situation, like we we would have played Canada and then the winner of that would have then gone on and played Japan. So obviously a lot of people are for the draw shot. Um, I think there's more against it. And um, like, I'll be honest, like I'm probably against it as much as it helped me. I think um, it's it's not a nice way to, to get to stay in or get put out of a, a major tournament such as the Olympics. No, it's a difficult way to uh, to not make it. However, you got through that, and now we go into the semifinals. And again, we have to talk about this game because this is amazing. Do we really have to speak about it? <laughs> 23 points scored, and I'm going like three enders and four enders. It was unbelievable. Even down in the end, I think uh, you scored four in the ninth, and Hasselberg came back with three in the tenth. The sky tied the score at 11-11, and you go into the extra end. Have you ever played a game like that before? And, and what was going on there with all these points being scored? Never, ever, ever have I curled in a game like that before. And I don't want to again, believe you me. It's a funny one to describe because it was two very, um, very nip and tuck teams going against each other. And the funny thing is we were actually on 19-19, me and Anna's head to head before that game. We've always we've always been very close to each other. And of course, them those girls being Olympic champions um, back in back in Pyeongchang and we know we know how a great team they are like we knew it was going to be tough and I said to the girls before the week I had a bit of a chat before the tournament I said like listen this is the Olympic Games like we can never ever give up on any game until that last stone's thrown like no games won or lost because the pressure out here is far more I believe than than a lot of other tournaments I think that came down to that game didn't it like we, we gave up a four-ender in the first end um, I remember turning around to Dave Murdoch, the head coach, and he just said, "Oh well, we've got to we've got to start grinding or something like that." And I was very sarcastic. I was like, "Oh really?" <laughs> Thinking like it was over, like that was that was my Olympic dream over. But we just kept we kept grinding, and we managed to get a three in the second end. And as soon as we got that three, I honestly believed. I thought I said to the girls, "We can win this game because we were only one down." I think then we kind of forced a one, then we got a two, and we just kept kind of grinding away. We actually managed to get a few mistakes out of Anna. It wasn't like her, but we did get we did get a couple um, a couple dodgy throws from her, and um, we managed to capitalise on that. And the last end, um, Haley, the lead that that's um, that was only her second ever international event. Two perfect ticks, and yeah, like um, couldn't have asked for any more. And that, that gave us the spot in the in the final. And I do believe it came down, I would say, to those two perfect ticks in that extra end. 
Well, there's one thing for sure. You will hold the record probably forever for the most points scored in one game in, in the Olympics, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, you and Kevin talked a bit about Vicky and what an asset she was to your team. But let's just go back a, a little bit in time. Let's go back to a year ago when you're playing in the women's worlds and you didn't have a good goal, but you finished in eighth place. You went home and I, I know you regrouped. You talked with your high performance committee quite a bit. You worked with them. And you came back, you won the European Women's Championship, you win the Olympic gold medal, now you've won a mixed doubles to represent Scotland and the Worlds. What happened over last summer that changed things so much? It, it has been a, a complete roller coaster of, of a last year for, for myself and I guess the team as well. And we go back to Calgary to those World Championships and um, we knew we had to finish top six to qualify Team Great Britain a spot at the Olympic Games and, and we didn't. Um, it was just, it was an awful week. Um, we also had two slams. We didn't qualify in them. And uh, it, I, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I just wanted home every single day I was there. We're, we're locked up in our rooms. We can only walk around the car parks. and But that that's no excuse. That's not an excuse for, for the way we curled. We just, we just did not play well. Team dynamics didn't seem good. I was getting angry as coaches. They were getting frustrated with me. And we just weren't ourselves. We came back and um, yeah, I, I definitely took some time to myself and um, we were we were back to lockdown. I spent a lot of time on my own here at the house and just thought through a lot of things, what I can do better as an individual and um, what I want to do to make me a better person. And um, British Carling then put together the squad system for the women's programme. So there was the nine players that were put in a, in a squad. It was hard. I must admit, like it's something I never probably want to go through again. I felt like I was fighting for myself the whole time and, and not for a team because we weren't in any Pacific team. But I committed to it and I love a challenge. So I was one of the, the fortunate ones that got, got selected along with the, the team that, that just represented there at the Olympics. We then went on and got a gold medal at the Europeans, that being Haley's first international ladies event with Scotland on our back, comes away with a gold. We then went and topped the European qualifying event and then we went and got a gold medal at Olympics. So it's been it's been a roller coaster. It's um, it's been a lot of emotions up and down. But I look back and I, I think of all the changes I made, the commitments I made, and yeah, obviously I don't regret any of them. But it has been hard, hard work. So you're talking to primarily a Canadian audience, who what you've just explained would be very foreign to them. What uh, what's your feel about that whole process? Do you think it's good, bad, and different, or you're not sure? I do think we the ladies' programme needed to do that at the time. There was two teams that were, were pretty nip and tuck and we obviously failed to qualify at the world. So we knew we had a spot at the Olympic qualifying event. Um, there was there was nine athletes that were capable of, of stepping on the ice and um, probably producing at that Olympic qualifying event. But what combination? I don't know. And I think the coach, well, I know the coaches thought it was too much of a risk to, to name a team without trying it um, because we didn't have much time. The time scale was tight. So we played several events in Europe, um, in Canada. I, I say several, there wasn't really that many, to be honest, because of, the, the, because of COVID. But we played a lot of games here in, in Sterling. Um, so I do think it was definitely the right thing to do. Um, I think they, they made the right decision with, with the squad system at that time. Do I think it's the right thing going forward for the future? I, I honestly don't know. But I do think it was the right thing to do to, to produce the five best athletes um, during that time. 
Well, I just want to go one more area, and that's because uh, you kind of dodged it on me last time. I asked you about Jennifer Dodd's fatigue, and then I asked you, you know, you could always talk about your own going to the mixed doubles, but somehow you didn't answer that one, Eve. So <clears throat> let's go back there again to uh, to your own uh, fatigue and, and and something that you and I have talked about at length over the years is your hip. Mm. I guess, how is it doing? How are you? How is it doing with all the play lately? And, and and going forward, of course, uh, hopefully to the, the mixed doubles worlds. Do you know what? My hip is actually in a very good place just now. And um, it was a little bit up and down during the European Championships, the Olympic qualifying event. But that's just because of the the co- constant games. Like you're two, two games a day. You could be three, four games back to back. And it's the standing around that hurts the most on the ice. The Olympic Games was absolutely perfect because one game days um, got a lot of time between to, to train, to stretch off. Um, so overall, like my hips actually doing very, very well, thank you. And um, it's something that I didn't know whether I would be able to say, like my hips good, because at times I didn't think it ever would be good, but it has. Fatigue wise for myself, like I'll be I'll be honest, I'm I'm absolutely exhausted right now. But I think it's the it's the emotions <laughs> that are kind of keeping me going. The mixed doubles was an event that, that the program, they didn't tell us we had to, but we more or less had to play. Um, they put us together with our partners um, a couple of years back. So they wanted us, they wanted to see us perform because because selection for the Worlds now is, is as I say, selection. So they need to see us perform to know who to select. Yeah, it's, it's still not guaranteed me and Bobby will be going to the Worlds. I would, I would like to think that we're up there um, in selection, but I'm sure we're going to hear um, this week, if not the start of next week. Uh, Eve, um, I've got a question for you about curling in Scotland, in your home country. Uh, we often get, when we started doing this podcast, you know, we got we got a lot of people weighing in on stuff, uh, you know, about we, got, we need to change curling. Canada's starting to lose their place on the on the world, world stage. Other teams are getting way better. Uh, some of it bordered on outrage when uh, we only won a bronze at the Olympics. Are you doing something different? Is, you know, the curling in your country got a secret to what's going on? I mean, you, you became a good curler when you were like 15. I'm looking back, <laughs> you, know, you know, when you won your first World Juniors, you were only, I think, 17 years old. What's the state of curling over there? And are you doing something different that other countries aren't? Do you know, I don't think there's, well, there isn't, there isn't any secrets at all. I think us in Scotland and, and British curling, I've got a fantastic facility here in Stirling. Um, we work a lot with like your your cameras to get your slide and and things like that. But do you know what? I just like me and the team. Like I put in a lot of work, and I probably put in as much. Well, I do. I put in as much work off the ice as I do on the ice because I always believe that the more physically fit I am, the more mentally fit. Um, and I do. I train very very hard. I try and do more than anyone else to be that little bit better. And I also think what what well what I do is like I watch so much curling like um, the the Scotties was on we had that on when we were in our holding camp all the other games at the Olympics like the top class men's curling like it's it's flawless almost just now so like I I just I learn so much from watching um, but honestly there's there's no secrets I think we we just train hard over here. We've got a great facility. Um, we're, we're very fortunate to have UK Sport and National Lottery funding to allow us to be full-time athletes. And I think that's another aspect of it that, that helps, that, that we, we don't have to work as such. Like, we can commit ourselves full-time to being curlers. So, um, yeah, as I say, no secrets, just a lot of, a lot of hard work. 
So where do things go from here with you, Eve? Are you going to continue playing? Do you want to try for another gold medal? you want to win some more slams? What is your future with the sport? I honestly don't know. I haven't really had a, have a, had a moment to think about it. For sure, like finishing off the season, and um, we've got the players' championships at the at April, and and then hopefully I'll have the the mixed doubles worlds as well. So, a couple events still to go, but going on from that, I I, I honestly don't know. Um, like I love curling, I'm probably scared to make a decision because no matter what decision I make, like I'm scared to make the wrong one. Um, but I guess right now I just want to keep enjoying it. Um, I've met so many fantastic friends from all around the world and like catching up with them at the slams, at the Europeans, at the worlds, like it's just fun, isn't it? Like curling's a very social sport and um, I would be sad to say goodbye to it. Um, so I can't see myself stepping away completely. I would love to get into maybe some kind of coaching role or something within sport, um, whether it's in this country, whether it's another country, I, I honestly don't know. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I could ever just completely say goodbye to curling. You can come and coach in Canada. We need help. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are there more and more young kids coming to the game over there, Eve, with the growth of the sport? Oh, yes and no. Like I would, I, It's hard to say. Like I do know the last few weeks, yes, but that's always the same when the Winter Olympics is on because we get a lot of coverage for these mm -hmm. weeks of every four years. Like People love to go and give it a go, don't they, and, and give curling a shot. Um, yes, there is a lot of, of really like, good talent coming through. Um, I don't know about the future, um, but I do think we have some have some good talent. It's it's sad to see the the juniors are down in the B division now and um, didn't get the chance to come up to to A because of um, because of COVID and it being cancelled. So, like I think we need to look down at the kind of grassroots levels and start kind of building our way up. Like I think first of all we need to get back to the A at the juniors. We then need to develop some some good teams, some good combination of players to then fight for medals at juniors and then take that step into ladies. And I've always said, like, when I was younger, I played in ladies' events when I was still a junior and, yeah, I got thumped off the ice half the time. But that's where I learned a lot. Like, I learned mm -hmm. from playing likes of Annette, Nor Annette Norberg, even Jennifer Jones back in the day. Like, I would get pummeled, like, 10-0, but I would learn from that. Um, so I think, like, there's a lot we can do over here to, to start bringing bringing the younger generation up. And I hope in a few years that there'll be evidence of that. Uh, Eve, thank you very much. I'm, I'm surprised you have time to do interviews because uh, all you're doing is winning medals all around the world and uh, on the planet. Uh, your, your remark, take it easy on us now, okay? Take it easy on us Canadians, okay? Eve, take, take a year off or something, okay, so we can catch up. Congratulations on the Olympic gold. Thank and you. congratulations on an absolutely illustrious career. Uh, and good luck going forward. Thanks a lot, Eve, for coming on. Thanks, Eve. Good luck. Thank you so much, Eve. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers, Eve. Thanks. Yeah. Fantastic. Talk Thank to you soon, Eve. See, you. See ya. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye. Boy, just another superstar athlete that we've had on Inside Curling. Um, Eve Muirhead was fantastic. Uh, lots of interesting stuff that she said. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this special edition of Inside Curling, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Goldline, Nestle Boost, and Meridian. We really appreciate those guys. Uh, they support curling, so why don't you support them? Uh, if you want to weigh in on anything, uh, check out our Facebook page and our Facebook group. It's very lively. Tons of opinion, tons of content from people. You can email us, 
insidecurling at gmail.com. Boys, well done. Another great show. Kevin, take it easy. Warren, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jimmy. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.